Hi, this is singer-songwriter Elizabeth Edwards. Welcome to Giving Voice to Recovery, a place we share ideas and experience for the purpose of inspiring you on your recovery journey. In this episode of Giving Voice to Recovery, I interview Jen Benninger, the CEO and founder of Genius Unlock Coaching Institute. Jen has refined the art of coaching others on how to delve into what's holding them back and live in their purpose by calling on their intuition. Jen explains that the best way to get long long-lasting, and permanent results in any area of life is to cultivate an unshakable trust in yourself by evolving your intuition. She shares her personal recovery story and how these tools helped her move forward in her own life. Listen to find out why and how this unique method will help you take inspired action with confidence. Hi, Jen. Hi, Elizabeth. Thank you for having me. This is so exciting. I am so excited for this interview. I just thank you so much for joining me. I knew we would have an inspiring and hopefully um, cheerful and fun chat. Um, Jen, um, Jen, for those of you who don't know, I'm Elizabeth Edwards. I'm a singer songwriter from the San Francisco Bay Area. I'm also a person in long term recovery. And uh, what that means for me is that I haven't um, had a need to use drugs or alcohol for almost 35 years. That is very exciting. Congratulations. I'll celebrate on September or I'm sorry, October 13th. I don't want to get too ahead of myself. There's like a little, you know, thing about that. But anyway, um, Jen is the CEO of a company that I have just really fallen in love with. She started the company Genius Unlocked, which is a coaching institute. And she comes to that work with, I think, a powerful story and a powerful message that I really want to share with you all. And and uh, so welcome, Jen Benninger. I am so excited uh, to be here, Elizabeth. I know when we were chatting about the different possibilities of when would be a good time for me to share and come share with your audience, share my story with your audience, it I loved how aligned it was. And it was so easy and effortless. And I I applaud you for being in that long-term recovery. I applaud you for your singer side writing business. And I applaud you for continuously working and finding new tools to, to get us through this, this thing we called life. And uh, you're, you are a true inspiration, not only to us and our company, but to other, other of our clients, because you're also in the work you, you get to say that you, and you want to transform the world and you want to empower your audience with these tools and with these opportunities. And that is in a hundred percent complete alignment with what we're doing. And so um, it really feels amazing to be able uh, to be here. So thank you for having me. And so my story on how I can, how I can relate to your audience here is I have been um, an entrepreneur for gosh, 20 plus years. And I've gone through a lot of the, the mindset shifts that are needed for someone who's going to, you know, be an entrepreneur. Well, then, funny enough, I ran into um, some personal challenges that I was not really, didn't, wasn't really equipped to handle. And that was that um, I was in an alcoholic marriage. So I was the spouse of an alcoholic and um when I first realized I thought what was happening is I didn't have any tools to, to know, like, how do I, how do I deal with that? What do I do with for myself? So I spent the first couple, you know, years, you know, trying to fix them. Right. Cause I thought that was my job. Right. Elizabeth, isn't that what, what some people do? They're like, I love you. Let me fix you. So Mm -hmm. I went on this journey and found the personal development work and the NLP and the timeline therapy and the energy work and the meditations and that all of that, to fix someone else or to fix my marriage. And I realized that in order for anything to get fixed, the only thing I could fix was me. It was all inside of me. It was all going through the PTSD. It was going through the decision-making process. It was going through the empowerment process. It was going through learning to trust myself, to trust my decisions, to to be empowered inside of me, to be able to, to live the life that I want, because in that environment, that was not the life that I wanted. Um, and it took me, it took me a lot of time. It took me a lot of years and, uh, some work yet what's exciting. And what I'm here to, to share with you is I'm on the other side 
<laughs> of it. And there is, there are tools and there is, there is support and there is help for, for you to, to be out there. And, and that, that, how I got from that side to the other um, is what we're, what the topic is of our, of our call today. So I just want to let you know that it really does mean a lot to be here um, on, especially with your community of people, either knowing someone in recovery or someone who, who would never, who didn't get an opportunity to save themselves. Um, and then be able to share how I got from one side to the other. So I really do appreciate that. Absolutely. And I really appreciate the fact that you stay in the work too. And, and the work that I'm talking about is, you know, one of the, the, the things about, you know, there's a lot of different, um, like, for me, a foundational piece is 12-step recovery. Absolutely. And I needed that just to go from completely dysfunctional to functional. And when I met you guys, and you know, I've done a lot of work in between uh, then and now, but I was always looking for that inner relief and that inner understanding of myself. And one of the issues that I think I continued to run up against were things like, um, you know, patterns of behavior that I, I knew that were limiting me, but I couldn't see them. Like what you often say, Jen, is that you can't see the label inside the jar. Well, I couldn't see it. And so when I found coaching and when I found the Genius Unlock community, which is working on a lot of different levels, you guys offered tools that really helped me understand my inner world on a, on a whole new level through lang And I'd already been so inclined toward language because of being a songwriter that it was like this perfect match. It was like all these, like, you know, when you get the big ding, 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 the lights go off, you go, oh, yeah, this, you need to look at this. This is for you. And I got that big hit. So can you let us know just, I mean, I know, but can you let the audience know some of the, the ways in which um, what you guys do and what I've been doing with you, how talking to yourself and, and how understanding the voices in your, the different, uh, you know, the, we call it the committee, right? Oh, is that the, the yeah, yeah, that's, that's the that. name of it. Yeah. The committee, but you would call it the four voices. I call, sometimes I think I have, you know, 14, 16, 20 people <laughs> up there, but it's really four voices. Can you share a little bit about the work around that? I, I, that has been a big, huge piece for me. So yes, Elizabeth, I would love to share that because that is exactly where I had to start is understanding what was going on and who was talking to me inside of my head. And we realized that, um, well, you call it the committee. So we do call it the four voices. So there's three voices inside of your head that are, are not, they all have a job and we all, they are all part of you and we want to give them love and gratitude. And we don't want to listen to them and buy into everything that they're saying. What do I mean by that? So those three voices that I'm talking about, one of them is your inner critic, right? So you have your inner critic. I, I'm sure your listeners are all like, oh yeah, I know that one. I'm not good enough. Don't do that. You know, um, you, you know, that, that you're not going to be saved, you know, the, 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 the inner critic. Okay. Then you have your ego, right? Mm -hmm. Now your ego puts a stake in the ground and wants to be right. Okay. So it wants to be right. And then you have your inner child, which is, um, most of the, most of us that are having challenges with our inner child, it's more around emotions of hurt or, you know, betrayal or, or, or things along those, those lines. So what happens is they all have a job. Okay. Their job is amazing. What happens is our conscious mind doesn't understand their job. So we let them run amok. Mm -hmm. So who here lets their inner child, their inner critic or their ego just run amok. They come out without asking. They're bossy. They think they rule the roost, right? They're, and they're loud. They're <laughs> loud, right? So those are the three voices. So what are their jobs? Okay. The, all of their jobs is to keep you safe right? So your inner child is, is talking to you because it wants to keep you safe. So it doesn't repeat the hurt or the betrayal. Fair enough. Your inner critic comes out to stop you from doing anything that is unknown to the inner critic. So it wants to keep you safe. And then your ego is the ultimate protector. It knows everything that is, that is right. So it digs in, right? I'm not sure if you, or, you know, anyone that has dug in on a point and it doesn't matter if they're right, they're right right? Because they aren't coming off of it. 
So we have the other voice, the fourth voice, and that's the voice of your intuition. So when we talk about the, the, the difference between the, the three voices on this side and your intuition, your intuition always, always has your best interest at heart. And your intuition is always having you strive for more to have you strive for the best of your life. When you want more, when you have dreams and aspirations and goals, your, in, your intuition wants you to go after those. Well, what happens is your three other voices go, ah, that's the unknown. And so they speak up and they're really loud. Okay. So what we do is what we want to work with, with all, with all of our clients, no matter what we're doing is work with everyone to realize that these three voices are just like warning bells. They're your gaslight coming on in your car, the little annoying battery beep when your smoke alarm goes out, right? The little ding, ding, ding that you left the refrigerator door open too long, right? It's, it's to let you know, hey, be aware of something. Your intuition then, this is the cool thing. This is the coolest thing, Elizabeth. Your intuition can translate what the other three voices are saying and you can get the learnings. And guess what happens when they feel heard? They start to be more quiet. They mm -hmm. quiet down right? So if your ego wants to protect you against something, you ask your intuition, well, intuition, what is the ego? What does my ego want me to know right now? Well, it wants you to understand that you're going into something in the unknown. It wants to protect you. And it, it wants you to know that you are strong, that you are brave, that you can trust yourself, that you have all the answers inside of you. And it wants you to know all this. And then your intuition says, do you understand all of that? And you go, yes, I do. And then your ego is quiet. So it's this, it's this amazing, amazing way to communicate inside your unconscious mind because they all have a purpose. The purpose though of your intuition, the, well, the first thing about your intuition is that it is always kind, always kind, may not always be gentle, right? Elizabeth, we've had a, we've had a few little you're like, oh snap, that was, that was some rough, that was some rough conversation with my intuition, but they're always kind. Yeah. So I know, I know that there's so many people in this world and I was one of them. That's why I know where you have, you know, you've heard of the 80, 20 rule. Like we can make everything the 80, 20 rule, right? Well, most of us, most of us have 80% of the thoughts and the talking that's happening in our head are the three voices. And those three voices aren't serving us if we don't get the learnings. And we're at 20% listening to our intuition. And what do I mean by that? It, mean, it means that gut, that gut feeling that you get. Some of you take action on that gut feeling and others of you don't. But you then you're like, oh, darn, I should have listened to my gut, you know, and bought Apple stock. No, just teasing. Yeah. <laughs> we all wish we had an intuition about Apple stock, God, right? Apple stock. Well, Apple stock. One, of the, one of the questions I have about that, that, um, that I would like you to speak to is how do you know it's your intuition? That's right. I know, I know I ask you that all the time, but I want you to tell everybody else that. that no, and that's a huge, <laughs> well, that, that's what I was saying. That, that literally, that's where I was, I was going with that because your, your intuition is always kind. So if you're listening, if you have 80% of the voices going on in your head and you realize, are you, are you shaming yourself? Mm -hmm. Are you beating yourself up? Are you justifying your existence? Are you feeling that you're the victim of some circumstance, right? You're like, oh my gosh. I mean, think about the pandemic. There's a lot of us that could be thinking that we're, we're a victim of the, the circuit. We're like, I can't control the pandemic. So it's affecting my life. If those thoughts are that the 80% of those thoughts are not kind to you, not trusting yourself, shaming yourself, beating yourself up, blaming, justifying all of that thought, that's a clue. It's not your intuition. Your intuition, if it's, let's just say it's like at a 20%, right? It's that feeling or that knowing, or some, some people, you know, they, they can hear, like there's audio people who can hear things visual, they can see knowing, or they just have this gut feeling. A lot of people describe their gut feeling, right? Mm -hmm. And it's, it feels good. 
But what happens, Elizabeth, is some people, they can't tell the difference between excitement and fear. And they think fear or slash anxiety, right? Fear is the past. Anxiety is fear of the future. And excitement, sometimes that feels the same to people. So mm-hmm. they, they get this intuitive hit and they get excited and they're like, but that, that's really close to fear or anxiety. So I back off and I must not do it. What we want to help people do um, with, with what we're going to be talking about even more today is understanding, unlocking your intuition. How do you know that it's your intuition? How do you tell the difference physically, kinesthetically in your body between fear, anxiety, and excitement? Mm-hmm. How do you know the voice in your head that says, you know what, Elizabeth, you can get sober. You know what, Elizabeth, you can start a podcast. You know, Elizabeth, you can have, um, write this song that's going to be in movies. I mean, it's like, it's those, those feelings. The problem is we don't trust them. It's not really even, I loved your question. Like, how do you know it's your intuition? Mm-hmm. I could easily tell you that in the next 30 seconds, it's then it's really about what do you what do you deserve to do with yourself so that you can trust it? So if your intuition gives you an inspired action or an intuitive hit, then taking action and, and trusting that that's going to work for you. So many people hear from their intuition and then shrink back. And then their other three voices like swallow it up. And yeah. that's what we want to work with. And I think that inspired action is such a, uh, it's kind of like a response. Like if you were having a conversation with somebody and you were asking them to help you and then they gave you the help you asked for, but then you said, yeah, but I'm not going to do this because I'm too afraid. It'd be the same thing. Your intuition's going to go, okay, don't what? Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that piece about the inspired action and having that faith to walk out on that intuitive hit and say, you know what, I, I have faith in my intuition and what the intuition is guiding me toward. I can trust that the action is going to lead me to what I need to do. It's going to take me to my needs. And that, that's another thing I, I've really learned a lot from you about the difference between wants and needs. And you know that I work a lot with, I think, I feel, I need. It's a process that a lot of people in recovery, you know, I learned through my own practice and experience, a lot of people you know, we're shut down as children. I, I, you know, I came from a big family said, you know, I don't care what you think and I'll give you something to cry about and don't even ask. So there's your inner child, right? Yeah, so I think I feel I need was completely disabled by the time I was a teenager and I started drinking and using and that didn't really help that development of that. So in my recovery, I learned to really practice that congruency of, I think, I feel I need. Can you share a little bit about some of the conversations that we've had around the difference between needs and wants and Beautiful. how to get those needs met in really healthy ways? Yes. And it, and it, it all stems from trusting and understanding your intuition. So, um, we, so we, what we say is that, so let's say you have an idea. I'm going to use the example that I use. So let's say you, you have this idea, right? And it becomes a thought. Well, if it's a positive thought, but then you have a negative emotion attached to it, then you're going to have negative steps to take, right? Which is what you were just describing is then you, you're, you're, if you have a thought and then your emotion is negative and then your steps are to use or to do something, drink like, or do something like that. What you want to do is we want to find out, are the thoughts the challenge? Are you having challenging thoughts? Do you not understand the emotions? Are you, are your feelings are you the emotions around number one, some people aren't even, can't even access some of those emotions. And some people, anytime they have a thought, a negative emotion comes up because of what they've been going through. Okay. And then, or you have some people that are like, no, my thoughts are good. Jen and Elizabeth, my feelings are good. Jen and Elizabeth, I don't know what to do. I don't, I don't know the steps. Right. So then what happens is if we get caught in that cycle and that wheel, of negative thoughts, negative emotions, and not knowing how to do things, we don't bring it into the physical plane or we bring it into the physical plane and it goes sideways, mm-hmm. right? So in order, you have to have all four, you have to have positive thoughts, positive emotions, positive steps on what you're actually going to do in the physical world. And then you actually have to do it. And we call that inspired action. 
So I preface the question that you asked me with that, because that's where we find some of the, the differences of people who want something and someone who needs something. Okay. So uh, the way that we, the way that we teach it and Elizabeth and I had a really amazing conversation about this just the other day. So she's going to, she's going to connect it to how she's been sharing it with you. For those of you who are longtime listeners, or if you're first time listeners, please go listen to past podcasts because she's brilliant at this stuff. And what we say is if you, if you want something, you can keep the want. Like you're, let's say, um, let's just say you want a healthy relationship. Let's just, just, just say relationship, right? You want a healthy relationship. Maybe it's with a spouse. Maybe it's with a child. Maybe it's with a parent. Let's just generalize. You want a healthy relationship. What happens is if you feel the only way you can function in life is if you need it, like you, you need it. What happens is when you need it like this, that's what starts altering your thoughts, your emotions, thinking that you know what to do, and then you don't take action. Okay. So you want to make sure that you can want something, but the need has to come from inside. So if someone comes to you and says, Elizabeth, the reason they say, Elizabeth, I want a healthy relationship. And you're like, great. What's important to you? This would be a question you would ask someone. What's important to you about having a healthy relationship? They said, oh, well, I want stability. Yikes. Because that's a need that if you put the need outside of yourself, then there, there becomes, there's a whole lot of words I could use to describe it, right? I, I mean, we can go to the whole extreme of full on codependency, or we can just go to the other you know, extreme of not trusting yourself. Yet if you can go inside, really develop, evolve, and integrate your intuition, knowing that no matter what, you can, you can be stability for yourself and you can trust yourself and you believe in yourself and you have the faith in yourself, you have the resources or the ability to go get them. Then the stability of why, what's important to you about having a relationship, that's a bonus. It's not a need. You could want it. You could say, yeah, I want, I want to have more. I want to have stability with my, with my new spouse or my child or my parent, but I don't need it. Like you hold on to that, like desperation. And, and that's the hardest thing just forget to, for people to realize once they realize that they're like, got it. Let me work on developing, trusting my intuition, knowing what I can do inside, clean up the work inside. Right. Because that's what I did when I was, when I was talking about that, um, about what my story is, that's why I was trying to save the marriage so much is because I needed that identity. Mm-hmm. I needed the identity instead of wanting a health. So the need outweighed the wants. I wanted a healthy relationship, but I needed the stability, which kept me in a, an abusive alcoholic relationship for too long. And I think what's so important about the distinction and the clarification that we're working on here with this is that we as individual human beings, we all have a huge inner resource, a vast huge inner resource. And when I would say that if you went all the way up and looked at a, what we would call addiction in the world, okay, it's some form of, I need that out there to fix this in here. I would say that is the definite, that is my definition of all that's the dynamic of addiction. So that's the dynamic of most people who are having any, who aren't living the life that they want. Yeah, exactly. And so, so what it is, in recovery world, we would say, I'm trying to fill that God-sized hole with all this other stuff. Perhaps. And I got to wait for this guy out here to change for me to be okay in here. And I might, ha- not only do I have to wait for him to want to, then I have to make sure he does it the way that I need him to do it so that it works. And that's not going to happen. And no. I think the key is to really learn to go 
inside those inner the need isn't about what you need out here the need is to recognize that inner resource so that you can tap into that and trust it and the work that you have um brought to my life and the work that i continue to do with you guys and take to my the rest of my community really is all about that is accessing those inner resources and trusting that trusting that it, and, and, and trusting, so that, so there's the, the deeper, which is what we're going to circle back to the very beginning of what we yeah. start talking about is you've got to trust the right voice though, because yeah, exactly. they'll, they, they'll go inside and yeah. they'll say, well, my ego said this and my inner critic said, so I must be doing it right. It's not about right or wrong. It's about, so, th- so th- these are the three questions. So Elizabeth, I love these questions. So what's working in your life, ladies and gentlemen? what's not working and what do you want to do differently? Most likely the stuff that's working is you're in alignment, you're in flow and your intuition. You just may not be knowing that your intuition, you may not be able to have that relationship yet enough to know what your intuition is doing. When things, when you, when you look at what's working, your intuition has something to do with it. When you look at what's not working, I bet you, if you really took a minute, you'd be like my inner critic, my inner child or my ego is in my not working. And what would I do differently? What would I would do differently is ask your intuition, develop your intuition to get the answers of what's not working so that it can then start working. And that, I mean, that those are the questions that you can, that when you would ask me earlier, like, how do you know when your intuition is really there? It's look at what's working in your life. Look at what's look, look at the similarities. Business is booming. My relationship with my kids is amazing. Yet over here, my, my marriage isn't so good. So, huh, I wonder what's working, what's not working. Well, I'm not listening to my intuition. I'm trying, my ego is trying to fix it. My inner child doesn't want to get hurt. My inner critic, I don't even, I don't even want to go. I, she was so bad. I had to name her, right? <laughs> I was like, I, now I'm like, nope. So it's what we want to do is we want to take that 80%. And this is really our life's work is to take that 80% of the other three voices and the 20% of your intuition and turn it over mm-hmm. the three. We don't want to blame, shame, get mad at, kick out, blame, yell at our three voices that, that the ego, the inner, no, 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 no. They serve a purpose. They're all part of you. If you're mean to those parts in your mind, you're being still mean to yourself. So stop it. We don't do that. We say, ego, I hear you. What all right, or I'm trying to hear you. What do you need me to know that I'm not hearing from you? Your intuition can translate. What what exactly is your intuition? Can you get, get can you yeah, get- your into yeah, your intuition is your connection to your higher self or your definition of source. So you came into this world. And this is not a philosophy. I don't, it's your religion, not my, whatever you want. It's your definition. It could go anywhere from unconditional love to organized religion to source energy. That's for you to decide. It's that you, when you, when you came into this world, you were, you were here of pure unconsciousness. You were, you were, you were truly your on a, you were just pure unconsciousness, pure innocence. And then this wonderful thing called life creates these decisions. Some of them are positive decisions. Some of them are negative or limiting decisions. You understand positive emotions. You understand negative emotions. Well, as the emotions flow, what's supposed to happen is you're supposed to get the learnings from the negative emotions and let them go. Well, what happens is if we don't have the tools to do that, we hold on to the negative emotions and they become this big old anger, right? Or, or this big old sadness. I don't know what to do with it. So what, what, what your intuition does is your intuition takes, these were the learnings you were, you were wanting, we were wanting you to learn, Elizabeth, when you came into this as a pure, innocent, pure, unconscious mind, you were full of strength and power and bravery and compassion and empathy and love, and you're magical and you're beautiful and you're unique and you're a world changer. That's how you, so your intuition is reminding you of what you truly are while life put all these blocks in the way. And it's the translator between your unconscious and your conscious mind. Your unconscious mind is your pureness, right? Your innocence as you came in. 
and your conscious mind is what you need to be a person on this planet. We're all in the physical world. They're both important yet your conscious and your unconscious mind can't talk to each other. Your intuition is the one that communicates with the two of them. So does that, does that make sense? Answer your question. So it's really developing that, that, that ability to, to get those two parts of yourself to understand each other. Um, And I know we could go way deeper into the work on that, but I want to bring it back around on something that you, that you made point of. And that is when the unconscious mind is putting something or when the intuition is bringing something up in front of us, like we call you call it the dead fish, which I think is hilarious. I used to call it my big aha moments, but sometimes it's truly feels like a dead fish. Even right, though, right, you know, right. I never get a black eye, but sometimes I do feel like, wow. You're like, oh, snap. Yeah. And so those projections, what, what's going on with that? Cause that's something that I think happens a lot in, um, around, uh, you know, Addiction has such a stigma. I don't even like to use the word addiction, substance use disorder, but it affects families. It affects individuals. It affects communities. It affects our world. Everybody, everybody knows somebody. And we project a lot onto it as a society. And we also, as people in recovery, a lot of times we accept the shame on a very unconscious level. And I think through the work that I've done with you and your your group and your community, which I consider my community community too, but yes. yes, that community is wonderful because I've really started to understand on a deeper level, the opportunity when I see something out in front of me that I'm, I've learned to recognize projections, even on a deeper level, what that is giving me the opportunity to do versus I used to go, oh yeah, I don't like that person. You know, we call it, if you spot it, you got it. And I know that from working the steps and, and I know how to own my part in something, but there's a whole new level that I've learned from you. Can you talk a little bit about the way the unconscious mind, the, uh, the intuition and projection and what the opportunity there is, what's going on with that? Absolutely. Like this, like this, if this had been your first question you asked me, I would probably talk for, you know, (laughs) straight. Uh, So I love this topic because this topic changed my life. I first, I had to develop in and communicate and evolve and integrate my intuition. Once I did that, so that's step one is really getting that relationship with your intuition. Then, like you said, you can start understanding your projections and solve things like that. So what do we mean by that? So it, it is based from, from Carl Jung. So it's not just Jen made this up one day, even though I do have a psychology degree, but I did not just make this up one day. Okay. So it is actually based in, in science is and basically the, the philosophy is, is your unconscious mind is just that it's unconscious. If you don't bring what's in your unconscious mind conscious, how are you going to know what's in your unconscious mind? So this is what your unconscious mind does is it takes everything that's unconscious and projects it out in front of you like ba-bam. Now, there is positive projections. Please, please know positive. You have just as many positive projections in your life as your as negative projections. We just tend to ignore the positive ones. Once you start developing your intuition, you'll even more, you'll start really loving your positive projections. So positive projections. If you see someone that you are like, wow, they're, they're inspiring. If you see it in them, it's inside of you. Just like she said, if you spot it, you got it. That's for positive stuff too. So if you think someone is a wonderful communicator, guess what? You are a wonderful communicator. We just need to get you connected to your intuition so you can learn how to communicate differently. If you're like, oh my gosh, I love how powerful or how empowered they are, or how successful they are, or how whatever that is inside of you. So sometimes people are like, eh, yeah, sure. It's like those people that can't accept a compliment. No, take it in because if someone's complimenting you, then that means that they're also complimenting themselves. Cause if they see it in you, they see it's inside of them. Maybe you'll think a compliment's a whole bit different now. Okay. So compliment, accept compliments, really pay attention to the positive projections that you have in your life, because the negative projections, just like your inner voices, your three inner voices are a little loud and clunky. Okay. So what do we mean by that? So again, whatever's the most unconscious gets projected out in front of you. So your conscious mind 
can see what's happening. So if you say, like Elizabeth said, let's say you're, you're looking at someone and you think they're disrespectful. Let's just, let's just like, let's just call it, let's call it a, a word. So you're talking to someone and you're like, wow, that person is super disrespectful. That's an unconscious projection. So what do we mean by that? So that's why we want you to go to your intuition and say, wow, if I really thought Bob was super disrespectful, what's going on inside of me? Now, if you're taking notes or if you, this is the one thing I really want you to hear me though. I really want you to hear this. Just because you're projecting on Bob doesn't mean it's an exact direct impression um, projection to you. It is not always in the same area of life and it is not to the same degree. So what do I mean by that? So let's say you're looking at Bob and you're like, okay, he's disrespectful. Bob's a coworker. So you're in the context of work and on a scale of one to 10, his disrespect is an eight. Okay. So let's just, that, that, just to help you understand the concept. It doesn't mean that you're an eight disrespectful person at work. That's what I mean. It's not a direct projection yet. What it allows you to do is to ask your intuition to go inside. All your answers are inside people. I promise you go inside and say, ask your intuition. Okay. What, what does this represent to me? What is coming up for me now? It could turn out that you're being disrespectful to yourself. Maybe you made a commitment that you didn't keep for yourself. Maybe you're letting your inner critic talk smack a little bit too much in your head and you're disrespecting yourself. Okay. So it could be self or others, or let's say that you're dealing with a spouse or a, a, a child. Let's say you're dealing with a child and you realize you're like, wow, the other day, I don't really necessarily think I talked to my, to my child with the utmost respect. I think I was a little disrespectful to my child. Okay. So it doesn't have anything to do with Bob. Bob's a mirror. Bob is a mirror. He just showed you to go look inside and go, Oh snap. So then guess what you just did. You just brought the unconscious conscious because you went inside and you're like, I'm curious. What, why does Bob being disrespectful? You weren't even in the conversation. You just witnessed him being disrespectful. He's a mirror. And you go, wow. I wonder what, what, what's going on inside that I don't see because that's projecting out there because it's the only way your conscious mind can let your, your unconscious mind, let your conscious mind something's up. So when you bring something conscious, you bring it into what awareness consciousness equals awareness. And once you're aware of something, then what do you do? You have choices, you have empowerment, you have solutions, you can be creative. You can go, Oh, snap. I maybe need to not talk smack to myself so much or go talk to your child and say, Hey, I just want to realize I wasn't communicating very well. Can, can we have this conversation again? And then you clean it up. So that's what we mean by you're projecting outside of you. So in Elizabeth, can I take just a minute and tell you how I can relate this back to my, to my story? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Cause I want to make sure that I answer your question though. Yeah. Yeah. No, this okay. is a beautiful example. Mm-hmm. Okay. So then this is, so this, let me tell you how this absolutely applicable. And this is how I was able to have the most amazing divorce with an alcoholic that I think is in history, right? Because it's like, (laughs) because I cleaned up my projections. So we weren't meant to be together anymore. Fair enough. So what I had to do though, is I went through the, oh my gosh, why can't I fix him? Oh my gosh. Why can't he just, why can't he do what he said he's going to do? Right. And I was pushing it outside of myself. I was, it was eight years. I was done. Okay. After 25 years married, eight of those, I was done. So what I had to do is I had to be like, okay, still a projection because he's in my space. If he's in my space, it's a projection. So what I had to do is I had to go, where can I, where's the projection inside of me? Cause I'm not the alcoholic. I'm not the one drinking. I don't understand. Got it. What happened And no, I'm not taking responsibility for his choices. I'm taking responsibility for my projection. So my projection was I changed the picture. And what do I mean by that? So we've been like, we've been together for 25, 26 years and we were 21 and 22. 
And I was going to work in corporate America. He was going to go do his career, yada, yada, yada. We were going to have a family. Well, then guess what happened? This thing called life. We had infertility. Then we had to wear it with the kids. And then I quit my job because I wanted to be a mom. If I fought so hard to have kids, now I'm a full-time entrepreneur. My businesses are, and he's over here going, whoa, that's not what I signed up for. And I realized I had to take responsibility for changing the picture. So I had to go, what am I, what is this projection that I'm putting? Why am I having still negative thoughts and emotions? Oh, because I'm wanting him to take responsibility for not changing yet. I'm not willing to take responsibility for changing. Mm -hmm. Do you see, Mm -hmm. do you see it? It's like, that's what we mean by a dead fish. You're like, you're like, wait, what? And it's really owning your part. My part. Yes. That's exactly, exactly right. I had to own my part. I kept saying, why can't he change? I can't take responsibility for him. What do I need to do to get you to change? But the projection was so unconscious. Mm-hmm. So there's, so this is what this is. Okay. I want you guys to hear this one, this one thing, please, 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 please stop blaming and shaming yourself, please. You didn't know what you didn't know. I didn't know what my projection was. What I was willing to do was find out. I brought it conscious and I went, oh, got it. And you know, that speaks so beautifully to both sides of the, like a a relationship where there's an addiction involved. There's both people have a part in that. And I, you know, you see this a lot for the person who has substance use disorder or some type of an addiction issue going on. Active addiction is a very, very, very traumatizing thing to live with. No matter if it's a spouse or a family member It's a very combative environment for the most part, very (laughs) scary. Um, And the person who has that problem, a big part of coming to terms with that and making that change, which is totally doable. But I'll tell you what has, I've seen this over and over again, is you have to own it if you want to change it. So that means I got to own my part. And when you own your part, the beautiful thing I've seen happen is when two people can do that, they can get on with their life and they don't have to be enemies they're going to be married to each other because maybe those lessons in life that needed to be learned got learned. And now it's time to move to that next level for whatever that is. And there's no shame in that, but the shaming and the blaming and not, and not owning it. um, You know, one of the lines of my songs is I, when um, I, when I change the world will change with me. And what I meant by that was it's me that has to change. It's me that has to see it. It's me that I'm the only one who can do it for me. And I'm the, and if I don't do it, it's not going to change because I'd have to wait for him to change the way I want him to change. And that's probably just not going to happen. So I need to own it. So that I love that. I'll tell you real quick about, yeah, no, go ahead. One of my biggest projections I saw, I have a a pattern of behavior called compliance. It's a codependency um, pattern where I'll just kind of go along to get along. And the more somebody's kind of like, you know, it's like I'm getting more and more angry as the more and more I comply. Well, I was angry at somebody for complying in a relationship they were in. And I wasn't, I didn't feel like they were really paying attention to the relationship with me. And I was like, I, you know, it's just always that way. It's always, you know, and the minute I applied this, I went, well, where am I? Com- where? Okay. Where am I complying? Oh my God. I'm complying with him. <laughs> and I'm mad at him for complying with her. And the minute I owned it, it changed the relationship. Damn, just like it, that. It just completely shifted. I owned it. I, and what was interesting, the dynamic that that created was I felt rejected and he felt abandoned because we were both complying and neither one of us could see it. So whoever sees it first, own it and then share it. And then share it with the people that you love because they're probably doing it too. And it's a great way to resolve conflict in your life. So one of the areas that projection really, like we talked about, it, it keeps people in denial. Denial is it's a killer in the world of 
a substance use disorder because basically it's your fault I'm drinking or using or whatever. And then I'm just going to drink at you because it really does see, it really does feel like it is their fault. And I'm the victim here. It really does feel like that. Oh, yeah. The grace that you get as a person in recovery is that moment of clarity where somebody says, oh my God, it's, it's me. And it doesn't feel, I always say my worst day turned out to be my best day. And it was that day, you yeah. know, for me, October 13th, 1986. Yep. Yeah. That's when it was 86. I was 25 years old. I got that awareness. I'd been drinking heavily for seven years and it was everybody else's fault that I was a mess. Yeah. It was every, they didn't get me. They didn't understand me. And I had that moment, but here's where projection shows up after you're a recovered person is, oh, that person is um, shaming me. Well, where am I shaming myself? Or others. You could be shaming yeah. others. That and are- we off shame because we can't stand the load of that heavy emotion. So we, we put it over there. And now yeah. you got this big shame circle. And then the other thing that happens is because we're so um, wounded in a lot of ways, and I'm talking, you know, we live on planet Earth and there's a lot of combat <laughs> and there's yeah. a lot of trauma. And that's just true. Some of us are more equipped to deal with that than others. And what happens is in recovery, you can get really sucked into shaming yourself if you're not overcoming, like getting perfect enough. And this was what happened to me. I should speak for myself is you start shaming yourself thinking that's going to make me, you know, my fourth step, or I'm going to do some inventory work around this and I'm going to somehow get perfect at some point, or, you know, God's going to remove all these defects of character in my, in my sixth and seventh step. And he will, if you get ready to let them go, he's not going to pull your coping mechanisms out from under you right. without developing new skills and new abilities. Yes. And And that's what this work has helped me do is to up my game, up my investment in trusting myself so that I can take action. So I'm not stuck in these limiting patterns or character defects, whatever you want to call them. I don't actually like the word defects of character because I think they're more limiting patterns of behavior that feel like they become part of your personality. So this project, the projection that I put out there is a huge gift because it's my opportunity to say, hey, Elizabeth Edwards, time to go look inside, girl. What's mine and what's not mine? And when it's not mine, there's no charge on it. I'm like, mm, not mine. Not mine. Mine. I got to go look. I know. And that's the thing is in your unconscious mind is so brilliant because it will, the, the biggest, not me that you're saying, mm-hmm. that's not me. No, that is not me. That is actually the most unconscious projection because it has to be so in your face. You're like, oh, the horror. That is not me. And what so and what and if it's char and the way you know if it's if it's a projection is because you've got some charge on it and you can't let it go and you're running the hamster wheel in your head about it. Oh, that's so not me. Oh, it's not me, not me. Now, if it's really not yours, there's no charge. It's like a passing thought, like, oh yeah, okay, whatever. It won't even be in your sphere of awareness. Yeah. It's the only thing that's in your sphere of awareness is your positive and negative projections. That's it. It's the only thing in your awareness. So have you ever gone somewhere with a friend and you're sitting there having lunch and your friend looks up and says, oh my gosh, did you hear that siren? And you're like, no, because it wasn't in your awareness. It was in their awareness in that. And it's like a simple example, but that if you can grasp it at that level, then you can understand that it's, if it doesn't bother you, it's not in your awareness at all. If you're just like, oh, that's interesting. And you move on. It's you forget because it's not, it's not positive or negative. So what we want you to do is we want you to, to take your negative projections that your unconscious mind is putting out front of you, get the learnings so that you have more positive projections and less charge. Yeah. And then really this work does. And the work frees you up on the inside. And what has happened for me is when I've been able to really dig into this work, it's freed up the creativity in my life 
because I'm tapped into intuition and I'm downloading new content, new information, new music, the things that my creator wants me to channel into this world. So that's the benefit. You're genius. That's why we're called genius online. There you go. Your negative projections are clogging up your genius, your negative projections, your negative thoughts, your negative emotions, and listening to the three loud, annoying voices. They have a purpose. So we don't want to be mad at them. It was really about turning up your intuition, trusting yourself, loving yourself, listening to yourself so that you can unlock your genius, which is what you were here, what you're here on this planet to do. So absolutely true and amazing. And, and just for a little tip on the, on the voices is the, um, a lot of that's coming from other people's programming. And that's why we inherit a lot of that, that 1 million percent. Yeah. So just so you know, we get to look at all that good stuff. 90% of your thoughts are not your own until you realize they're not your own and then they become your own. So what, what does that mean? So if you wait until, if you're like 18 years old and you go, oh, wait, that's not my thought. All the thoughts you had up until 18, they were someone else's. Mm -hmm. You just adopted them. So until you make that moment of, I'm going to start really, critical thinking is really the term that most people are aware of. Until you start critically thinking, which means thinking for yourself and realizing that your thoughts are now 100% your own, 90% of your thoughts don't belong to you. They were installed in you when language was developed in zero to seven. And you some grace there, ladies and gentlemen, give yourself some grace. Yeah, absolutely. And my favorite, I have two questions that I love to question if it was my thought or or your thought. And I really learned good questions from you guys. You guys are really, and I'm taking that into this, this, uh, these projects that I'm doing online. The, uh, my favorite question to challenge and check is what would I have to believe to feel this way? And do I want to believe that anymore? And if the answer is no, the follow-up question is, what else could this mean? What else could this mean? Because I get to assign that. Say that again. Those were brilliant. Say those again. What would I have to believe to feel this way? And if I don't want to feel this, if I don't want to believe that anymore, because I don't want to feel this anymore, what else could that mean? Because I'm the, I get to determine as a conscious person, I get to choose what I believe. Mm-hmm. And when I do that, I take ownership. Again, that internal resource, we have the ability to question our beliefs. Yeah. And those emotions, beliefs are just hardened thought. They're just locked in, anchored thought. And when we can take a look at that and question that and say, is that really what I believe? Or have I just stacked up all my experiences to make myself right? Is it possible that that could mean something totally different? And if it's possible, what else could it mean? Brilliant. And that's where you guys, that's where you get freedom. That's where you get choices. That's where you get creativity. That's where you get curious. We want you curious, not dug in. Dug in doesn't solve anything curiosity, creativity. I hate that stupid thing. Curiosity killed the cat. No, it didn't. Curiosity (laughs) is freedom. It's choice. It's, it's options. If you start feeling trapped or, or stuck, it's just because you've got to get, we got to get into your intuition and find out what does that mean? What other choices do you have? Where can you take ownership? Where can you take responsibility? And yes. as soon as I took responsibility for my part, I had the easiest divorce on the planet. It's that power to change. That's it. It's I wrote a song that a lot of people may, on this call might know about called the power to change. Power to change is when we own it. It's when we own that inner world because we, there's a whole lot there. And when you operate from that is when your life gets amazing. And what so many people don't understand, and I can, I know it because I didn't understand. I was in my forties before I figured this stuff out. So just give yourself a break. It's all good is it takes so much more energy to live in the stuck state than it does to take the ownership. It, It might take a minute. It might be, some of you might say, oh, but it's hard, but man, is it worth it? Man, is it worth it on the other side? 
Absolutely. And I also just want to say one more thing about that is that it really helps to have a community of like-minded people that support Imperative. you. Because when you're making big growth, if it's either through a 12-step program or um, a coaching community or a, a wellness community, um, it is so important to support yourself by like-minded people because you're going to change. And when you change, your outer world's going to change, including some of the people around you are going to look at you differently. And you may need to renegotiate some relationships. You may, you may need to let go of some things. So it takes um, a lot of courage to be a person on planet Earth. And it takes a lot of courage to, to recover. Um, it, you know, it just really does. It takes a lot of it, it takes, takes it takes a lot of courage, like you said, just to to have your your life. <laughs> and why would you not want to go hang out with people who think like you? Exactly. You might need to think. You need to think about that because are or, you or, it, or not even just think like you, but think like you want to think. <laughs> That's even and, better. And are, are living the lives that you're like yeah. everyone is on their journey. So if you if you're projecting positively, yeah on someone's journey or whatnot that you want, then that's where you want going to surround yourself with. And you, and, and, and the big clue for me there is, are they demonstrating it? And are they living in the work and growing themselves? Those are the criteria I look for. And I would encourage anybody else to look for there. Um, I have a, a couple of other things I wanted to really yeah. tap into. If you, if you have a minute here. I do. I would love you in sharing this information. Thank you for letting me talk. And I, I'm very excited to support people in realizing how much empowerment they have and that they don't deserve to be talking negatively, blaming, shaming, and justifying themselves in their head anymore. It's, it's my life's work. So yes, please. What's next? Yeah, absolutely. The probably one of the biggest, um, areas of life, the, the negative self-talk, the ne the lack of self-compassion. These are things I see all the time. Mm -hmm. uh, it took me a long time to figure out that beating myself up doesn't make me go faster or do better, right? So that negative self-talk is a really important piece of this. So from, for the many millions of people out there who are dealing with active addiction, um, either in themselves or with a loved one, um, what's the most important thing um, that you think the work that you're doing right. do to, to help them? And it, it, thank you for asking that question because this answer two or three years ago would be completely different because of where I am in the process of, of all of this. And it really on it, truly the core piece of it is really learning how to trust yourself. It is listening to the intuition because like what you just said, Elizabeth, with the transition from the last question to this question, when you said that lack of self-compassion and that negative self-talk, that negative self-talk is exactly what we mean when we're talking about the ego, the inner child and the inner critic, which means they're trying desperately for you to hear them. And then what they're doing is then they're projecting what they're trying to tell you out in front of you. They're doing everything possible to get you to bring it conscious. When you bring it conscious, like you said, the relationship changed. You both realized that you were complying with each other and one was lost and one was abandoned and one was betrayed and one was, you can stop all of that. So knowing that you don't have to blame or shame yourself and just realize that you have some, you just ask yourself the question, oh, this is interesting. I wonder what's unconscious I need to bring conscious. Like you could actually just pattern interrupt yourself and when you're in these negative thoughts and emotions, just go, I'm wondering what is unconscious that I deserve to bring conscious. And when you can start developing and trusting those answers, trusting your intuition, the world around you is going to change. So if you're in an active, in active space, and I, I, I can almost feel you while saying, but Jen, my into, I don't even know if I have one. You do. It may be totally turned off. That's okay. If you feel your negative three voices, your other three voices are a hundred percent of what's going on in your head. It's okay because you now heard us talk about it. And there's a reason that you heard it because that just turned it on right now. So what your, what your 
best thing, the next best step for you to take is to start learning all that you can about how to find that intuition inside of you, which is your higher self, which is your, your pure innocence, which is what you are here on this planet for, which is how source sees you, whatever your definition of source is. It could be the universe, unconditional love, God, whatever, whatever it is, it's your intuition is that voice letting you know that's how they see you. And when you can start tapping into that, tuning into that, finding the feelings, then that's your first step of getting from that, you know, maybe it's 99 to 100% and turning it over so you can really start trusting yourself. Um, and it's one step at a time. I mean, I know that that's all, I mean, not to, that it truly is. It is one day, one step. What's the next thing? Oh, I didn't listen to my intuition that time, but I know what it feel, felt like. I'll do it next time. Oh, wait, I didn't realize that that's what my intuition could do. Oh, I'll, I'll remember that next time. It's that active growing in, in, in having hope. It really is about having hope that you can find the answers and you don't have to look outside of you anymore. And I know you have some, uh, a program that's coming up and I really want yes. to share it with us. So oh my gosh. Because there's tools and there's techniques and there's a community of people that can support this work. Mm. So let us know. Why don't you tell everybody what you got cooking over yes. there? Yes. Oh my gosh. Please, <laughs> please come hang out with us. Okay. So it's actually called now it's going to sound a little weird. Now I'm just teasing. It's actually <laughs> called keys to unlocking your intuition. Um, and <laughs> like who knew um but you know so like you see all this fancy stuff on my sign back there that's just so i you don't see my door uh and it's like all these things that we teach and these certifications and we just want to let people know but the silver bullet in every single thing we teach every single thing we teach the silver bullet is your intuition and this is step one so it's five days. It is, um, it's $37. It's $37 because if you're going to invest in yourself, we want to invest in you. You just got to take that to take that step. So it's $37. You get five days. Okay. So it's, what, nine, it's 90 minutes. Nine, as I was just about to say, so it's a nine, <laughs> not five minutes. Let me finish. Yeah. I was like, that left them hanging. There was some ambiguity in that, that. So it's 90 <laughs> minutes, 90 minutes for, for five, five days. days. <laughs> okay. And yeah, so you're like, it's five days. You're like, wait, am I like locking me in a room somewhere? We're going to a deserted island. No, I'm teasing. It's five days of a 90 minute webinar with myself and my business partner, Carson, who also is in this work. And we're going to share with you keys to unlocking the intuition. So it's 90 minutes. Um, and then there's going to be meditation after, because I know that a lot of people, when you're, you're like, okay, well, Jen, you can talk at me with my intuition. How do I experience it? So we're going to have meditations for you to actually start stepping, whether you're fully connected with your intuition, how to understand it more, or if you're just starting, these meditations will support you. And then the best part, absolute best part is that you're going to get three coaching calls with an amazing coach and her name is Elizabeth Edwards. So she can coach you through these five days. So it's September. It starts next Saturday, um, which is September uh, 25th through the 29th. So it's Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday from 9 a.m. to 1030 a.m. Pacific time. It's on Zoom. We do have it recorded. So if like you're like, ah, I've got to do something on a Monday at nine, I can catch it up. We can do that for you. Elizabeth, you're going to give them the link that they can yeah. um, in the show notes or in an email. Yeah, it'll be in the show. yeah, I'll be, I'll be putting the information out there and um, I'm part of a coaching team with Cheers. Carol, Carol Feeney, who is also um, does this work with me. So we will be coaching um, and supporting the intuition um, challenge. We're super excited about it. Um, just so you know, some I've been in meditation for all kinds of different meditation for years. And I just have to say, you are probably one of the most intuitive guided meditation uh, practitioners I have ever met incredibly powerful work. I always just walk away going, oh man, that was like life-changing cool stuff. So I really am so excited to be involved with um, the work that you're doing and so happy that you have joined me here today. Thank you, Jen. And I will have all the links and all the stuff of all the stuff Yes. down in the uh show notes so thank you thank you my friend and thank you for letting me share my story thank you for all of you that that took the opportunity the, the universe brought you to hear 
this, yes. whenever you're hearing this in your life, even if it's after the challenge and you're listening to it again, just stay connected and really tap into your intuition and know that you have the answers inside of you. And we look very much forward to seeing you on the challenge. And Elizabeth, it was, your community is amazing. You're amazing. Thank you for having me here. And I cannot wait to maybe come back one day and share some more, some really more good stuff with, with, yeah. your, with your audience. Absolutely. Thanks, Jen. All right. Thanks.